everyone and welcome to this episode of the Birding Life Youth Podcast. The podcast aimed at the youth by the youth. I am your hostess, Gabby Saikora, and in this episode, I have someone who is really doing her bits in conservation and making her mark in what she believes in. Robin Smith, thanks so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So, Robin, we've got lots to chat about today. So, let me get stuck right in. You've grown up as part of a veterinary family. Um, so, please give us a little window into this life. And how did being in this type of environment play a role in moulding you through your school career? Well, you know, it was definitely a major part of my life because both my parents were vets. And I also have a few other family members who are vets. Um, so when I was too young, for instance, to stay at home alone and both my parents were at work, we'd just spend the morning or the afternoon with my parents at the vet, just watching everything that goes on. It, it, it got to a point where it was just like the normal thing to do. And all the staff knew me and my brother. Um, we would go like to after school activities and even some of the staff from the vet would maybe go fetch us and take us back to the vet. It was such a, a an environment like a home environment and I could just walk around and see the the different procedures going on and how it happens and surgeries it was very very interesting and also um definitely gave me a huge passion for wildlife and big respect for animals and people who work with animals wow so you had quite a life growing up that's so cool I can just imagine little Robin walking around the vet <laughs> Yeah, a very extroverted Robin saying hello to everyone and they're like, I'm just trying to do a surgery here. <laughs> Cute, Ben. Um, so spending so much time at the veterinary clinic, you've obviously experienced a lot when it comes to the care of animals. Have you actually watched surgeries being performed by your parents? And if so, what was one of the most rewarding operations you've witnessed? You know, I when I was a lot smaller, I would like climb on one of the counters at the vet that wasn't being used, don't worry, and look into the surgery room and watch the surgeries. <laughs> then when I got a bit older, I would actually be in the surgeries, but with like a face mask and everything. Um, so I could just kind of walk in and see what was happening. I don't think I can remember any like really uh, rewarding ones, except basically any kind of removal of like a tumor or a cancer that my parents would do because that's a big impact on an animal's life if they didn't have that surgery they would most likely decline in health um there were definitely some interesting ones but I was more there like I peeped in like oh okay that's cool and then left again but I did watch a lot of the general procedures like spays for instance which is a little less boring okay that sounds absolutely amazing I bet you feel quite lucky to be to have been able to witness that it sounds like a true dream of mine but I just have to add in that I had I think at the age of around seven I think it was around then I had my own veterinary clinic it was GHS Animal Hospital and I was telling someone the other day I we went so far into getting drips from the hospital and I have an enormous amount of wildlife teddies, and those are my patients. I had an x-ray machine, you have no idea. And I would spend my days in my little operating theatre whenever my parents did not know where Gabby was. They went straight into my little operating theatre and 
my actually Wendy house, but there I was in my happy place. I've actually got a photo. It's the cutest thing. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a dedication to a <laughs> like a career choice when you're little. I also used to steal like um little plastic gloves and even little needles and go home and like inject my teddy bears. Not the best, but um <laughs> it was funny to me. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. And I'd, I'd like talk to them and be like, no, you're okay. You're doing so well. <laughs> so, Robs, have your parents performed any surgeries on wild animals? And if so, were you lucky enough to witness any of these? So my parents, okay, so they both do like the usuals, dogs and cats. Um, A few years ago, they did do more wild animals at the zoo. There was a Cape Town Zoo. I don't know exactly what it was called, but I know they did procedures on like the lions, even a tiger, maybe at a Joburg Zoo the ones. I've heard many stories from my parents of things they've done. Um, I, <laughs> I have watched a few of them. Again, I don't remember them in great detail because the zoo closed down a while ago. But I just know that uh, my first surgery I ever watched, well, I say watched, not really, was when I was six weeks old and my dad did, I think, probably just a normal spay on a chimpanzee, which is wild to me because I haven't seen them much since then. But I got to experience such like an intimate thing, such as a surgery on a chimp. Um, so yeah, I think my dad does do surgeries on snakes, animals like that but not many of the big ones anymore that is amazing now i have to ask this didn't you find it a bit gory you know with all the blood and stuff being only a little girl how did you manage that i think i think you get used to it i don't know like i'm i've never found gore to be that bad some of my friends who see blood and they're like you i'm like it's i think i'm desensitized <laughs> um but i when you do watch a bunch of surgeries it gets very normal so yeah <laughs> Okay, that's, that's just incredible how you've like become used to it. Um, so moving on a bit, I'm quite sure you no longer have the time to spend your afternoons watching over your parents. Um, but as you're now studying, do you miss this? And would you ever want to follow in your parents' footsteps one day? I do miss it. I like the atmosphere and it was always very interesting, something going on. But I did think my passion is more for maybe wildlife and conservation rather than like uh, just procedures on animals. But I did think about becoming a vet, but I thought it's so hard to get into vet school, especially in South Africa. There's only one place, um, OP in Pretoria. And I felt like if I applied and got in without being 100% sure as what I wanted to do, I would just be taking a spot away from someone who was confident it's what they wanted to do. Um, and I can always go into it later if I feel, well, if I get in, <laughs> but if I feel that's where my passion is. But I didn't really feel like super set on it. Um, a lot of people find it interesting because they've never really been in a vet environment, but I've grown up around it. So by the time I got to deciding what to study, it wasn't it wasn't very novel anymore. It was kind of just, uh, yeah, being a vet, not that interesting. And that spot you're talking about will be mine one day. <laughs> but you know, I I get that. Um, I've I've been thinking and doing a lot of soul searching lately, and my entire life, I've planned in so much detail about what I want to do and stuff like that and I don't this might sound a bit soppy but like I said like we don't even know if we're gonna wake up tomorrow so I've kind of started taking everything day by day mm -hmm. and what I end up doing in the future is you know it's not my priority now if you get what I'm saying 
no for sure and like things again can change so quickly and I think we um set ourselves up on such a strict timeline like you have to study after school and then you have to do this and get a job but um actually some people become for instance a vet in their like 30s and 40s because they decide oh that's actually what I want to do after, after they've tried a bunch of things and I think we shouldn't limit ourselves like be open to trying new things and if you suddenly decide for instance you not become a vet then don't like put pressure on yourself because that's what you've thought you wanted to do up till now it's so hard but um yeah <laughs> exactly it's big choices but you know I'm still spring chicken so yeah time, yeah. time yeah you still have a little while yeah I do <laughs> So now, Robin, at this point, as I said previously, you're now studying. Um, what is it that you're studying? And do you have a specific field of expertise into which you'd like to venture? So I'm studying a BSc science um, in environmental science and biology. It's like animal biology and then doing some courses in oceanography. It's quite a like wide variety of topics in the environmental world because I'm doing like biology and environmental science and oceanography. But so I don't really know what I want to go into yet, but I do have a few options. I'd like to do maybe a guiding course and go into conservation that way. But there's always the option of me maybe doing research on climate change and how it affects animals, which is what I would be very interested in doing. So I don't have a specific idea yet, but I have a bunch of little ideas in all these different um, like job careers. Yeah. That's really so great that you have the options. I, I quite like that. But it's it sounds pretty tough, though. How are you finding the workload? You know, it can be difficult at times. but um, And especially if you're doing courses you're not super passionate about. But when I'm doing the courses I really want to be doing, so basically not physics, but more biology, then it's a lot easier to cope <laughs> with it because you're actually interested in learning. But it is quite hard work. Um, I don't think you should study something you don't want to do because then I, I can't imagine getting through the workload if you're not passionate about it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not passionate about chemistry in school, so I will not go into a field that involves that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> so your parents were involved in the founding of a conservation centre. Is this where you got your passion to become so involved in conservation? Um, do you have any special experiences you can share from being part of this journey? I do. Um, so yeah, my parents helped found a, a conservation centre quite a few years ago. And it was mainly based around giraffes. So I had a lot of like uh, experience with hand, like not handling giraffes, but like I got a bottle feed giraffe, feed them sometimes. Um, it was an education center. So I really enjoyed how they would take wild animals, introduce them to people and the public maybe became they were scared but then once they realized oh the animals actually it's not that scary they became more accustomed to it and enjoyed the experience so I like that people aren't so afraid of animals after experiencing those kinds of things um I've had experiences with like things most moms would be would scream at like having snakes around my neck and spiders on my face um a couple of times even being in enclosures with like servals they're not super they're wild but they're obviously not like in a nature reserve which makes it a little easier but they are still wild um so it's quite interesting to be in that environment with them Oh, okay. Yeah, I've also handled um, some of them when I go job shadow at the vet. They're really so, so special. 
So now this question kind of relates to what we were chatting about previously. You have a deep passion for conservation. And I know this from our experiences with the young wildlife photographers and the great things we're currently working on. But what do you see as one of the greatest challenges we as the youth face? So I wasn't sure if you asked this in terms of like what environmental issue we face, but I think actually it's more like the self-centeredness and ignorance, maybe denial that people have around issues such as climate change and wildlife conservation, because they don't see the threats that face our wildlife and environment um, to the intensity that it is. Like just because they don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. But they, they, yeah, they, because it's not super visible, then suddenly they're like, nope, it's not there. So we, why prevent it? Um, so I think that's definitely a big challenge that we face is actually getting people to believe that we are facing challenges. I 100% agree with that. That's why it's so inspiring seeing what you're doing when it comes to conservation. Because all in all, we need more people like you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So now moving on a bit, Robs, everyone loves to talk about holidays and you're an overall nature-loving family. So I'm guessing that as a family, you like to spend time in the bush, in game parks maybe. What are some of your favourite parks to visit? So growing up, we've been to many, many game parks, um, something I'm very blessed to have experienced. And it's something I definitely love. Um, I think, you know, I, I can't always decide which are my favorite because I enjoy just being out in nature, but definitely Kruger. But I think most people would say that just because of the variety it has. We often go to the north and there's quite nice bird life there, but you really never know what you're going to see. I also really enjoyed uh, going to Halakhadi because I wasn't expecting to see so many like predators, cheetahs, and just them hunting or interacting with each other. It's very, very interesting. Um, I, I do enjoy the smaller parks. Like we've been to Karoo National Park quite often because it's closer to me than Kruger is or Halakhadi. Uh, and it's also nice because it's just the views and the birds and even the animals that you see a lot, like zebra, they're so beautiful, especially with the surroundings. So yeah, I really enjoy visiting those. I've also been to Namibia, to Etosha. I love Etosha. It's a different environment to the ones we're used to in South Africa, um, but it's also very beautiful. And the animal life is, they're really very, I don't know how to phrase it, like against the, the backdrop of Etosha because it's a salt pan. It's, it's definitely an interesting experience and very, very, very beautiful. That sounds absolutely incredible. Wow. Um, I'm still yet to visit the Karoo National Park, but perhaps when I come down to, ca- to the Cape, you can be my little tour guide and show me around all your favourite places. I'd be very happy to do that. I think you'd love it. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll definitely need to make a plan. So in a previous conversation, we chatted about it not only being all about the big and scaries, but also about the little things you enjoy looking out for. But does this come through in your photography as well? Meaning, do you enjoy taking photos of the littlies as much as you do finding them? I do. I often find, like, I like taking photos of the big predators as as much as the next person. But a lot of people take photos of the big animals. So I love finding the smaller animals that may be not as well known and portraying them in a light that people aren't used to seeing them in. Or, like, getting down to their level and taking a photo. Whereas people are just so used to seeing them, like, scurry away from the top. Um, They're very fascinating and often 
easy to miss because they're so small and insignificant in comparison to something like a lion or an elephant but I really enjoy taking photos of the small things as well as the large things. Okay I find that so amazing um that you love the small underrated like creatures because nowadays you don't get too many people like that it's now pretty much all about chasing from one big cat sighting to the next so I find that really fascinating. Yeah no I I mean I understand that because we're still when we go to game parks I'm always super excited to see what predator we're gonna see but if you it's everyone does that you know it, it doesn't it's not as exciting when everyone's doing it um, and you miss so much when you just focus on the big things. Exactly. You have to find that balance. But that brings me on to my next question. What would be your favourite subject to photograph when out in the bush? You know, I clearly I'm a very indecisive person. I really enjoy taking pictures of most things. Um, but aside from the usual big predators like leopards, because I mean leopards are beautiful, I really like taking photos of elephants because of how they interact with each other, because they have such, uh, like, they're so intelligent. They have such personality. I really enjoy taking photos of them. And also raptors specifically. Like, I like birds, but raptors specifically because I love seeing them in action, them hunting. And also they're so big. Um, Even a bird like a vulture, most people don't like taking photos of them because they're not the prettiest. But they're very interesting, especially when they're scavenging um or like the raptors are hunting it's very very interesting and also fun to take photos of you know now thinking about it there's so many subjects that we are fortunate enough to photograph in in the bush but I for one can say that I'm very fortunate as we head to Pilansburg National Park quite often well as often as we can um and Pili is pretty dense Mm. when it comes to their lepi population so I've been quite privileged to be able to capture some shots of some stunning individuals I mean nothing can compare to a leopard I'm sorry but I just want to also make it clear that that doesn't take away from any other animal I mean all of Earth's creatures are unique and beautiful in their own right. No, definitely. And um I haven't ever been to Pilansburg. I was always shocked by so many leopards as well. Every time I see a photo of a leopard and they're like, It's from Pilansburg, I'm like, Oh, okay. But um I have definitely not seen as many leopards as you have. When we go to game parks, they're a hundred percent the most elusive and the ones we rarely see in comparison to the other animals. So when you do see it it's like super, super exciting. But maybe I like it like that. <laughs> Yeah, I must say, I'm pretty fortunate when it comes to leopards. We once saw 24 leopards in Kruger in one trip, so pretty fortunate. Yo, we had like six. That's the highest I've seen, and that was like it. Like, it has never come close. (laughs) Well, it's better than nothing, so... No, definitely. So, Robin, I believe you have a story to tell us about mosquito larvae and frogs' eggs. So, please elaborate. I'm really keen to hear about this one. I want to preface this question and say I was a very weird child, but I was also very (laughs) entrepreneurial. So, um, we have like a little pond in the front of our house. And in summer, the mosquito would always lay so many like larvae or eggs and when they'd hatch I would catch them and put them into little buckets and sell them to my family as though they wanted them because they were interesting they were insects and I could see a way to make profit out of them (laughs) um yeah with the frogs it wasn't so entrepreneurial 
I went to the conservation center that my family helped run and I saw a bunch of frogs eggs but they were like attached to the side of the pond not so much in the water so I took a little container actually a cup and I picked them up and I took them home and I managed to keep them all alive and grow into frogs which I put into the pond in the front and I found that really cool I also really like frogs I don't know why but they're just really cute and also very interesting to me so raising them was really awesome especially because they go through their different like life phases like from the eggs to the tadpoles to being half formed and then being fully formed frogs I found that really really cool they are so so fascinating and I must tell you I've had quite a similar experience (laughs) so my dad and I were on a hike and I'm not gonna lie I am pretty dramatic (laughs) so I was making it really known (laughs) that I was struggling Anyway, we get to this pond and there's tadpoles zooming around in the water and I begged and begged my dad to take some home. Well, when he refused, I had a full-on tantrum and stomped away and literally levitated through the rest of the hike because I was so, so upset. Needless to say, after that, there was no more struggling. (laughs) No, I'm sure... Your, your dad must have been like, no, we are not getting another creature for you to try and raise. <laughs> Just leave it alone. The real reason is I think my mom was in the hospital actually and we had to go to the hospital afterwards to go pick her up. I think she was being discharged. And he's like, you cannot take tadpoles into the hospital. Are you mad, Gabby? <laughs> Shame, that's totally something I would do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm quite sure that we could share all our childhood memories and experiences such as these for days. But my final question to you today is, if you could give me any advice, well, to me personally, as an avid nature lover, be it about conservation, planning a trip, or even simply leaving me with food for thought, what would it be? I think definitely trying something new or getting out of your comfort zone. Um, like you say, you've been to Pilansburg a lot, so you see a lot of lepers. Maybe try going to Khalakhadi, where obviously if you're able to, obviously that's not something everyone can, but um, where you don't see as many maybe leopards and it's a completely different environment. Like it, there's so many dunes um, and areas like that. Or when I went to Atasha again, like the salt pans, it's totally different, but that makes it exciting. And you never really know what you're going to see or how exciting it's going to be until you're actually there. Um, and also I said this before, obviously about like taking photos of the small things, wherever you are, just really appreciate everything even if it's like a little butterfly um it doesn't have to be a big leopard or a lion to be a cool sighting because I think so often we go to these areas say for game drives and you expect so much from a game drive and then you come back and you haven't seen anything and you're disappointed I think we shouldn't be disappointed I think we should think about exactly what we've experienced or just being out in nature it's so so nice so whenever like you're planning a trip just go to places you haven't been or ones that are maybe hotter than you're used to or colder than you're used to because it's going to be something new and that's always really fun and interesting. Wow, you answered that so, so beautifully. But thank you. I'll definitely hold on to that. But I must just say I was so upset. So our December holiday, we usually do like quite a big trip. And this actually was Feb. We're like, okay, we need to do something different, like you said. And so we tried to book Khalakhadi and yeah. yeah, it's fully booked. So we did try. 
um, quite upset. Yeah, I know. That's always the problem. High demand. Yeah, very much so. So hopefully next year. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely book in advance. Book now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Robin, it's been really great having a chat to you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Good luck with your studies and hopefully you will find your path soon. And then we can hop on to another podcast to hear all about it. Yes, that sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. I have way too much to share um, in my brain and I'm so excited to gain new experiences and things that I can, again, share on here. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to recording my next podcast really soon. Until next time, this is Gabby Sakura for the Birding Life Youth Podcast, signing out.